0: Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 25, divine, sovereign oversight. Of course, our most important relationship is with the Lord. But I believe if a believer looks back over his life, he he discovers strategic moments that are based upon personal relationships. Now, not all of those relationships are pleasant. But looking back over life, at least personally, I can see where personal relationships and circumstances that occurred within those relationships nudged me or shoved me in a particular direction. And in my age, I can look back over life and I can see really how that has happened as far back as I can see Because sometimes it could have been this way. But it was nudged this way, which created a set of scenarios and a new panorama of life. Until another relationship carries me to a specific point in time where I'm nudged or bounced in another direction. And that's the way life is. We see it about as clearly here in 1 Samuel 25 as we do anywhere else in the scriptures. And we certainly see it all through the life of David. God writes the script of our lives. He casts the characters He opens the curtain and he calls for action. It's been that way, whether you realize it or not, in your life as well as in mine all the way through the years. And we see a little snippet of that here, and we've seen it along in other places. A snippet here in this part of David's life. Several things come out to Speak to us as we look through this scripture passage. It's a long one. So let's get right into it. At this point in time, God God so sees fit to close the book on the physical life of Samuel and David loses both a friend and a mentor. He won't have Samuel anymore. God in heaven has determined that David at this point in his life does not need Samuel as his mentor any longer so it's just a simple it's a simple verse Samuel died and all of Israel gathered and lamented him it's interesting most of the time they didn't follow his advice most of the time, they knew he was there, but they didn't pay that much attention to him. And now that he's dead, they make a big deal out of it. So they, they gather from all over Israel. They lament his death and they bury him in his house in Ramah. And David arose. Okay. Important phrase. David arose. David is on his own in this sense. He won't have Samuel And he didn't go to Samuel that much, but at least Samuel was always there. But now David arose and went down to the desert of Paran. He did not attend Samuel's funeral. He knew that it would be dangerous. He knew that Saul had his spies there. And so not to endanger himself or his men, he went further away, quite a distance away, into the desert of uh, Peren. David now discovers a new enemy, another enemy, and also puts his life in perspective regarding the entire nation. And there was a man in Maon. Now that's where David had been, that's down toward the Dead Sea area. Whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great. That is, he was rich. He had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats. And he was in Carmel while he was shearing his sheep. So he's about to take in a lot of money, whatever the exchange was in those days. Because it's time to shear the sheep and to trade out with his wool. The man's name was Nabal. His wife's name was Abigail. The woman was of good sense and of beautiful form. But the man was hard. He was harsh. And he was filled with evil deeds. And he was a Calebite. You may remember Caleb. Caleb was one of the two spies, along with Joshua, who brought back a good report. The other ten did not. So he's a descendant of Caleb, which means he's of the tribe of Judah. He isn't. He as a Calebite. He doesn't. He doesn't trace his ancestry directly to Judah, because Caleb was an Edomite. But now he, of course, probably intermarriage through Judah. He's part of Judah, but he's a Calebite. Hard man. Evil, evil man, selfish man with a beautiful and sensible wife. And David heard in the desert. Now, I've got these things underlined and in bold font because these things just happen to happen, they just happen to be happening. I'm reminded of Gideon the story of Gideon in in, um, Judges 6 and 7 Gideon was fighting the Midianites he was called by God and he was raised up by the Lord to fight against the Midianites who vastly outnumbered the Israelites they were trained in war they had armies they had aligned themselves with Amalekites and they were just as they always had been, they were seeking to destroy Israel. The Lord physically and personally as a theophany was Christ in the Old Testament, appeared to Gideon. He called him a mighty man of valor. You're a brave man. Gideon was as scared as anybody, hiding behind a barn and in the barn and all these other things. But the Lord knew what he could do with Gideon. So he begins to give him instructions. He told him he was going to deliver Israel from Midian, the Midianites. Gideon was in denial about that and the Lord worked through that with Gideon. Finally, Gideon called an army together, like what, 30,000 men or so. And he said, okay. And the Lord said, now, the, the, the Midianites still vastly outnumbered, even though he gathered 30,000 men to go to battle. And the Lord said to Gideon, he said, you know, this is too many. You're going to have to cull this group. So Gideon stands up and he says, OK, if you if there's any of you guys that really don't want to fight and you'd rather be home, you're free to go. Well, there was a cloud of dust. And when all the dust settled, there were 10,000 men left. The Lord said, it's too many. I can't get glory like this. You take them down to the stream and let them drink water, and the ones that bring up their water to their mouths, those are the ones who are going to fight with you. There were 300 of them. You know the story. Gideon, of course, is now about as nervous as he ever had been. 300 men against tens of thousands of Midianites. Along with the Malachites in this big valley, and they were camped on the edge of the ridge. The Midianites were, and the Lord said, "I want you to go down just to the edge of the camp. Just, just sit there." So he, what was his servant's name? Purah, uh, and took his servant with him. Here come two soldiers. These soldiers, they come out to the edge of the camp, they're shooting the bull, you know, just talking to each other. And one of them said to the other, he said, You know, I had a dream. I said, Really, what was your dream about? He said, I tell you, I saw a loaf of barley bread tumbling down the hillside and it hit a Midianite tent. The tent collapsed and flipped upside down. And so his buddy said, what do you think that means? He said, I'll tell you what it means. It means that Gideon and his army will defeat the Midianites in battle. Well, that strengthened Gideon. But I want you to think about this. The guy had the dream just at the right time. These guys gathered at the edge at a place. Now, you can think of tens of thousands of soldiers. That would be a pretty big encampment. But it happened to be that one spot where Gideon was hiding And the very thing that came up in conversation was this guy's dream. They happened to be in a distance such that Gideon could hear it. And it just so happened that he talked about his dream. And it just so happened that his buddy asked him to explain the dream. And then he explained the dream as Gideon being victorious over the Midianites. And the rest of the story, of course, Gideon took his 300 and he he defeated the great, vast army of the Midianites. Now, there are things like that all the way through the scriptures where this just happened just at this time. And it was just the right subject, just the right matter, just the right set of circumstances that worked according to the purpose of the Lord, of course, in favor of. Of the Lord's plan, and life moved on from there, but that was a great uh, watershed moment. And it's all the way through the Bible, like the It's this way here, maybe on a smaller scale, but who could say that something like this happens anyway? Just so happens that it just so happens that Nabal is in an area where David. Can greet him with friendliness and give him the report that while the enemy was on the prowl and while, while David was there with his men, he was able to protect the people who had, who had uh, flocks and, and herds. He was able to protect them. Uh, and he stood as a shield between the Philistines or anybody else because The M.O. of the Philistines was to go in to the households into the places where the Israelites had had gathered their their harvest or or at a point where their flocks were now at the highest producing moment where they were producing the most money, if you want to use modern term. So it would have been at a time when he was shearing the sheep. David, so with all that in mind, knowing that he had, knowing that he had done a great favor for men such as Nabal, it just so happens that this guy's close enough that David, verse five, sent 10 youths. David said to the youths, go up to Carmel and you shall come to Nabal. Greet him in my name and you shall say so shall you be living next year and may peace be to you and peace to your household and peace to all that is yours here's what he's saying my men and i have made it my business to stand between the philistines and the successful israelites who are gathering who are gathering their harvest who are raising their animals who are shearing their crops We've made it our business to make sure that the things that have happened in the past don't happen now. That's so he's saying. So you'll you'll it'll be like this for you next year. Peace to you, your household. Peace to all that is yours. And now I have heard that they are shearing for you. Now, whenever the time of shearing came, this was a this was a festival that the that the Lord of the household would host for all of his workers, all of his servants. He'd have a big festival. He would kill some of his animals, and they would bring in all of this wine and all the bread and all the good stuff, and they'd have their, their fatted calves or whatever that were roasting, and they'd have a big party. So it's that time here with the household of Caleb. They assure you now your shepherds were with us. We did not disgrace them. Neither was there anything missing to them all the time they were in Carmel. David is saying, I want you to know this. Neither you nor your shepherds were ever in danger. Neither were your flocks in danger because we made sure that nothing came and invaded your household and stole all your goods. We weren't going to let that happen. And so they were safe while they were with us. We didn't disgrace them and we sure didn't take anything away from them. Ask your youths and they will tell you and may the youths find favor in your eyes for we have come on a festive day. Give now what your hand will find for your servants and for your son David. It was customary for these, especially these really wealthy lords to give something to those who had protected them. In this case, It was the soon-to-be King David and his mighty men. So they naturally, since this was a time of shearing, it would be a time when they would cull and and take out what they wanted to do to either sell the animal or kill it or whatever. It was the natural time for the Lord of a household in, in culling these animals to give some away. This would be a perfect opportunity. David wasn't going to take advantage of him This was the time for that to happen. David's youths came and spoke to Nabal according to all these words in David's name and they rested. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? Nowadays, there are many slaves who break away each one from his master. So now we're being enlightened to something that we probably already knew. But the nation at this point is divided between those who favor King Saul and those who favor David. Political differences like this are unheard of these days. But if you put yourselves back in that time, Maybe you can understand how there were just some that just for whatever reason. Now here's what he's saying to David. You were the servant, you're the slave of Saul and you're like any other bad slave who has broken away from his master. That's what he's saying to David. Now shall I take my bread, now look how many times personal pronoun is used. Now shall I, I take my bread, my water, my meal which I have cooked for my shearer's And shall I give them to people of whom I know not whence they are? I don't care anything about you, David. I'm not going to give you a thing. David's youths turned around to their way and returned and came and told him according to all of these words. And David said, Okay. At this moment, David is going to act according to himself. Thank God for divine restraint. We're all like this. We're all like this. Something, an injustice happened. In my case, especially with regard to my family, my face will just turn purple. Water will come into my eyes, and I'm ready to go do something about it. I'm going to use you as an illustration. (laughs) In a former pastorate, Jessica was in the band. Here was Jessica, here was everybody else. And she came home crying her eyes out. The band director had insulted her. I'm done. Forgot what the insult was. Was it? Uh, but he he. The, the band wasn't that good, as I recall. It wasn't that good. And so the littlest and weakest one, the youngest one who had just gotten in the band is the one who gets all the blame for all the sour notes and all the missteps on the field and all that kind of thing. And we were there. We heard it. We saw it. And that wasn't true. Now, I was in my pastor's office. You understand. That didn't make any difference. I flamed up like the human torch. I got in my car. The high school was about a block away. And I kicked the door open to the band room. Nobody was there. (laughs) I kicking doors everywhere. One of my deacons, and he served as deacon chairman for a while, was the vice principal of the school. He happened to come in. Brother Charles, shut up. (laughs) Leave me alone. Whoa, 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 what's the matter, what's the matter, what's the matter? I've done forgot the guy's name. I said, uh, I'm looking for, and I called his name, so-and-so. so-and-so. <laughs> he said, well, I, I hope you don't find him. I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I said. I may have said something very inappropriate. I don't know. I was totally in the flesh. And I, He said, well, no, just wait a minute. I said, I ain't got a minute. He said, no, he, had, he left early. Divine Providence. He left early, and everybody is gone from this building here. There's nobody here. Divine Providence, because I looked like a fool. My eyes watering and my face purple. And he calmed me down a little bit. He said, Now you think about this. You're down here representing me. You're representing the church. You're representing the Lord. I said, I wish you wouldn't have said that. (laughs) And I got in the car and went back to the office. And my day was ruined. I think we transferred you out of that band, the, the the next day she was in the choir, not in the band. I could give you a lot of times like that where the Lord arrested me and restrained me because it shouldn't have been that way, but it was. Thank God. I'd have been washed up. You have to understand at this particular, at this particular church. I know early in my ministry there, the, the, the car lot was full. There were just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And the TV station stopped. They were out prowling around. They brought in their camera and their woman reporter. And she was wondering what was happening. So church? We're just having church. Church? Well, you can see what a fool I would have been in the newspaper the next day if I had just caught that guy, if he had just been there. And I've been thankful for that a lot in my life. There have been a lot of times like that, I'm sure, in your life as well. I want you to keep that in mind. Because I know how David feels right here. And David, he first said it to himself. He said, "Uh uh-uh, this ain't gonna stand. And then he said to his men, Gird each man his sword. And they girded each man his sword. And David too girded his sword. And they went up after David about 400 men. And 200 stayed with the supplies. Now there's a good thing that comes out of all of this. Abigail, she has a wise plan when she sees what's happening. One of the youths told Abigail, the wife of Nabal, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the from the desert to greet our master, and Nabal drove them away. And the men are very good to us. We were not disgraced, nor was anything missing to us all the time we went with them when we were in the field. They protected us, they kept us safe. They were a wall. Over us, both night and day, all the time we were with them, pasturing the sheep. And now know and see what you will do, for the evil has been decided upon, uh, upon against our master. The evil has been decided on, decided upon, against our master and against all of his household. And he is such bilial. A son of Belial. He's a son of the devil. He's a, he's a friend of the devil. A son of the devil. And no one can speak to him. Now you can imagine modern terminology. What his servant was calling him here. He is such a so and so. That he won't, let, he won't listen to anybody. And so what they're, you, know, you see what they're saying. These guys are going to come after him. 400 soldiers. They're going to slaughter every animal, every human being in this encampment because David is hacked off. Abigail. You remember her? She's the one that had a sound mind and she was real pretty. You remember that? She's beautiful. That goes a long way sometimes. And she took 200 loaves, two earthenware jugs of wine, five prepared sheep, and five seah of flour, uh, of roasted ears of grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and she placed them on the donkeys. Now this was a time of festivity, so there was a whole lot of food prepared. That she would take this much food wouldn't immediately be noticed. She said to her youths, go on ahead of me. I'm coming after you. She did not tell her husband Nabal. Now, and it was, there it is again, the Lord made it such. And it was. That she was riding on the donkey and coming down under cover of the mountain. And behold, David and his men were coming down toward her and she met them. Divine providence. Just at the right time she was there because David was angry. His, he and his army were in full gallop. They were headed to the household of Nabal. Nabal. You're going to see that he wouldn't have left even one dog alive. That's just awful. Not even a shih tzu. That's terrible. That's what anger will do to you, I tell you. Unchecked self flesh anger. But God had so arranged it, they met each other halfway. And she met them. And David said, surely in vain I have watched all this fellow has in the desert. I was there to take care of those vast flocks. They must have been in vain. So that nothing was missing of all that is his. And he has returned me evil for good. He called me a name. He insulted me. And he spurned my invitation for him to participate In what we were doing to help people. So shall Elohim do to David's enemies. And so shall he continue. If I leave over all that he has by morning light. Not even one dog. I'm not going to leave a dog alive. I'll destroy everything that is his. And kill him and all of his men. This guy David was mad. Let not my lord take heed of this base. There it is again. Benay Belial. Benay means or Beni Beni means without. Lial means worth or value. So it means the son of worthlessness. He has no value. Of Nabal. Now, this is, you see, you see who this is. David is saying to her what he's going to do. Now, she pays homage to David, she recognizes David as the rightful king. Now, this is the division at this moment in time of Israel. Some just didn't care, and so they just said, well, let's let all do this thing. We don't care. Others, however, took a more spiritual approach, like this woman, Abigail. She calls him her Lord Adonai of Nabal's. For like his name, so he is. Nabal is his name, and ungratefulness is with him. And I, your handmaid, did not see my Lord's youths. Whom you sent. I wasn't there when they came. I didn't hear what they said, but I can just about figure how Nabal responded. And now, my Lord, as Yahweh lives, now she invokes the Lord. And by your life, I swear that Yahweh has withheld you from coming to bloodshed. the beautiful wife of Nabal whose humility is in stark contrast to the pride and hatefulness of Nabal. He wasn't expecting to see her and then coming around the curve, there she is. Gracious, beautiful, unselfish, paying homage to whom she realizes is Yahweh's king. We we have, this has happened. So that Yahweh might withhold you from spilling this blood and from saving yourself with your hand. And now may your enemies and those who seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. What what she's saying is I'm just a a common person of the kingdom or, or of Israel. It wasn't a kingdom exactly. And I know that people, even I, would have seen this. If you had followed through with it, we would have seen this as an evil thing. And right now, people don't see you like that. They see you like a deliverer. They see you like a savior king. They see you as a good man who loves the people. But if you came down and swept across an unprepared household like this. You would be viewed worse than Saul. And something about you would be lost forever. And now this gift which your handmaid has brought to my Lord. My Adon, my Adon. Shall be given to the youths who walk at my Lord's feet. Forgive now your handmaid's transgression, for Yahweh shall make for my Lord a sure house. For my Idol, for my Lord fights the wars of Yahweh. In other words, your throne will stand forever. And now let no evil be found in all of your days. What you were coming to do was evil. And you can't do that. And you need to forsake that all of your days. And a man has arisen to pursue you and seek your soul. But my Lord's soul shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord God, with your Lord God. While the soul of your enemies, Yahweh will sling it with the hollow of a sling. Just like you you took care of Goliath. Yahweh will take care of your enemies. Have faith in Yahweh. Trust Yahweh. Remember at the very first of this this thing, it said, David arose, David said, David, David, David. He never, unlike the other wars he fought, he did not seek the Lord. This was just all David. And it will be when Yahweh will do to my Adonai according to all the good which he spoke concerning you, he will appoint you as ruler over Israel. To take the counsel of this woman, That God would put her in the right place at the right time for David to hear what he needed to hear in a time when when he, like any other man, was enraged and filled with anger because of an injustice that was done against him. Depend on Yahweh. He has a purpose and a plan. He'll take care of Nabal, He'll take care of all of your enemies. Depend on Him. Let not this be to you as a stumbling block and a remorse of heart to my Lord. For people to say that you have shed blood without a cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. And when Yahweh will do good to my Lord, you shall remember your maidservant. David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you to me This day, just in the right place, just in the right time, with just the right words, and just the right attitude, and just the right gratitude, just the right behavior, just the right actions. Yahweh knew exactly what it would take to calm David down. Blessed is your advice and blessed be you, for you have restrained me this day from coming into bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. And indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you, I swear that had you not hastened and come toward me, if you hadn't left as quickly as you did, there would not have been left a nabal until daybreak nothing, not even a dog. David took from her hand that which she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See that I have hearkened to your voice, And have shown you favor. But the story doesn't stop there. Abigail came to Nabal. Behold, he had a feast in his house like the feast of a king. Nabal's heart was merry within him and he was very drunk. And she did not tell him anything less or more until daybreak. When his mind was clear. And it was in the morning when the wine had left Nabal that his wife told him these things. And his heart died within him. He became like stone he went, into a, he went into a coma it's not funny is it and it was just 10 days later that Yahweh not David Yahweh struck Nabal and he died he, had, he died of a stroke he was dead Yahweh took care of it David didn't have to shed blood Yahweh took care of it. Now, here's how the story ends, okay? David heard that Nabal had died, and he said, (laughs) blessed is Yahweh. You ever done that when somebody died? Well, (laughs) bless God in heaven. I hope my older brother smacks him in the nose when he comes through the gates. All right who has judged the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and restrained his servant from evil and returned Nabal's evil upon his own head. And David sent and spoke concerning Abigail. I want you to be my wife. David's servants came to Abigail to Carmel and spoke to her saying, David has sent us to you to take you to him for a wife. She arose, prostrated herself upon her face to the ground and said behold, your bonds woman is a slave to wash the feet of my Lord's servants. It reminds me of when I asked Pat to marry me. (laughs) Nah, not really. I'm going to wash your feet and bring you slippers and take care of all your employees. And she hastened. I like this. David said, will you marry me? She, you know, there's a vapor trail between her and her donkey. She got on that thing, mounted the donkey with her five maidens who went with her. She went after David's messengers, became his wife. Now, now who owns all of those flocks and herds? Who owns all that stuff now? David does. David took Ahinoam from Jesreel, and they both became his wives. Here's why this is inserted here, because Saul gave his other wife away to another man. Saul had given his daughter Michal, wife of David, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was from Galim. Now The Lord God is sovereign over the least and seemingly most insignificant of circumstances in our lives. Because now, because of this relationship, and because of what happened in this relationship, may have been good, may have been bad, I'm going to be... Turned into the direction Yahweh wants me to go in. Thus it happened with David all the way through here. It started with the death of Samuel. David is on his own and he couldn't ask Samuel what should he do about Nabal. He just was on his own, but he learned a great lesson. Then, in certain Nabal, for David to learn who is the lord of his life and then insert abigail whose grace and beauty whose, whose whose fullness of the love for the lord and his word brought her into the presence of her king david And everything about Abigail soothed and solved the situation because God used her that way. Just at the right time, her entourage met David and his soldiers. Just at the right place. Just at the right bend in the road. And she had the courage with just the right words that the whole matter was settled. And at the end of it all, Yahweh took care of it. Yahweh took care of it. So are we people of faith? Then trust Yahweh. Trust Yahweh. I'm going to stop there. We'll have our deacon prayer time.